Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast Podcast. Thanks for joining us for our study through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. In it, Paul gets very personal about his own shortcomings, and he comforts the believers in Corinth. But he also teaches us that by embracing our own weakness, we are able to experience God's strength. Grab your Bibles, and let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, would you turn in them to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as we continue our study through the book of 2 Corinthians. And then when you get there, sorry, I know I just had you sit down. If you would stand with us for the reading of God's word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 7. Verse 7, I wanted to say good morning to those watching online as well. Forgot to mention that. Grateful that you guys are here. Also wanted to say, I know second service, we're going to be recognizing our high school graduates, but if there's any high school graduates in the room this morning, we want to just congratulate you and uh, just we're praying for you as you make this next journey into adulthood and good luck. Um, No, (laughs) I'm teasing, but we are, we're praying for you, but second service will be recognizing our graduates, so be praying for them. I think there's, uh, there's quite a few of them uh, just in our church alone, so grateful for that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Verse 13, but having the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. You may be seated. And I promise you can sit for the next hour and a half. No, not an hour and a half. (laughs) 40 minutes or so. I want to start this morning by just asking a question. And the question is this. Why can following Jesus be so hard at times? Can we just all admit that following Jesus is not easy all the time? The reality is many of us give our lives to Jesus in the first place because we're looking for peace. But then all of a sudden, it's kind of like a, a bait and switch, if you will, but it's not, where we feel blindsided as we quickly discover that we've just stepped onto a battlefield. <laughs> we often, you know, talk about the blessings of following Jesus, and there are many blessings of following Jesus. But rarely, I think, like in our small groups or something, or as we go out to coffee with one another, rarely do we talk about the toll that it takes on us, the cost of following Jesus, You know, when you understand, as you're reading through the Bible, when you understand the Bible correctly, it becomes clear that Jesus calls us to follow him, but it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. It may cost um, our, our reputation. 
with people we admire. It may cost us relationally, right? It, it may, you, might, you might lose a friendship. You might lose a, 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 a family member relationship. It may cost you certain opportunities in life. It may cost you emotionally to follow Jesus, financially. Even for, for many Christians around the world, it may even cost them their lives, and if we're going to truly follow Jesus in our lives, I think let's just put it on the table this morning that it's going to cost us something. But here's the deal. If we don't consider the cost of following Jesus pretty early on in our walk with him, when things get hard in our lives, and they will, if, if you're not there yet, it's coming, okay? We will either end up feeling like we're doing something wrong or God is. And sometimes, if I'm honest, it's both. It can be both. You know, the Apostle Paul had, had counted the cost of following Jesus. You know, when Jesus encountered him there on the road to Damascus, he, he says, you know, the great invitation to ministry, hey, Saul, you know, um, I'm going to show you everything that you're going to suffer for my name's sake. Like, welcome to the team. But Paul had to count the cost of following Jesus. Second Corinthians, he's been pouring out his heart in this letter, gives us a glimpse of what how that has looked like for him. You know, he lived in Corinth with the Corinthians for a year and a half. We, he faithfully loved the church in Corinth. He served them. He invested in them. And yet all of that pastoral care, all of that just leadership was only met with unending attacks, criticism. And more than that, there has been nothing but suspicion about the authenticity of his apostleship. The Corinthians thought, Paul, you suffer too much to be a true apostle. And in chapter 12, Paul makes a statement that we're going to see in a couple months from now. It's always stuck out to me when, when, when we consider the cost of following Jesus. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living this morning. He says this, I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that I love you more, the less you love me. <laughs> It seems that the more I love you, Paul says, the less you love me. That's real. That's real. And Paul's experience is not unique to those just in vocational ministry, but it applies to all of us. As I said a few weeks ago, we're, if you're following Jesus, we're all in ministry. We're all serving Jesus. But, so why can following Jesus be so hard? Why can it be so hard? Our text today is going to shed some light on this question. And so I want us to consider the cost of following Jesus, and then we're not just going to look at the cost, but we're going to see why it's worth it. Why is it worth it? So first, what are the costs of following Jesus? If you're taking notes, number one, following Jesus is hard because it will cost you your ego. <laughs> In verse 7, Paul describes us as followers of Jesus as vessels containing a great treasure. Look at the, the first half of verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, last time in our study, we looked at the verses leading up to this section where Paul communicated what the treasure was. In, in verse 6, Paul says, it's the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's the treasure. It's the very presence and power of God that dwells inside every follower of Jesus. So if you've trusted in Christ, if you've believed in him, you have Christ in you, and you are carrying this treasure in you, wherever you go. And so the question is, like, why would God place this treasure in an earthen vessel? Or better understood, maybe your translation says a jar of clay. 
You know, in the ancient world, before banks, before vaults, people would often put their expensive valuables in some sort of vessel and then bury them for somewhere for safekeeping. But usually the greater the value of the treasure that you were hiding, the greater strength of the vessel that you would put it in. That's just that, that's logic. That just makes sense. But Paul says here that the treasure, this treasure of God's presence and God's power dwells in earthen vessels. It, 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 it dwells in jars of clay. You and I, this morning, church, we are jars of clay. That's not the most flattering you know, description of a human being, but it's true. Because like clay pots, we're made from this earth. Like clay pots, we have a limited capacity. We're fragile. We can easily break. We can crack. We can chip. And I know we don't like to think of ourselves in that way, but it's true. You know, if you're a parent... Or maybe you're not, but maybe if you've ever stepped on a Lego at 2 a.m. in the morning <laughs> with your bare feet, by <laughs> you understand just how vulnerable you are. Nobody can withstand that kind of pain of a Lego at 2 a.m. But we're not just weak physically. But how often can we feel completely shaken by the words of another person? How often are we completely just even overwhelmed by the responsibilities of life? As I said a moment ago, and like you said, like you know already, my dad passed away a couple weeks ago. And um, this is a new season in my life. And the things that I would normally call my dad on, he's not there. And just a couple, three days ago, our engine van completely died, and now we're left with having to decide, like, should we buy a, a, car, a new car or, or get this fixed? And normally, I would call my dad. And so yesterday, I'm dealing with the car is situations. We, we're at three dealerships, and, you know, dealerships are fun. And, um, <laughs> but yesterday, Mary could attest, I just found myself sad and depressed, and I found myself just overwhelmed with adulthood. I'm like, I'm like I just don't want to adult today. Like, I just want to go back to bed and wake up on Monday. That's just how I was feeling. But I was just instantly reminded that life, we're pretty, we're pretty fragile as human beings. And what makes life so difficult at times is we're constantly being confronted by our own, limit, our own limits and our own strength, like physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. We like to think we're much stronger than we are because we all, if we're honest, we want to feel powerful. We want to feel sufficient. We want to feel like we're enough in and of ourselves. We despise weaknesses, and that's why, if we're, again, if we're honest, most of us either feel threatened or attracted to powerful people. But as we grow to become mature followers of Christ, it doesn't come through trying harder to be stronger. No, it comes through acknowledging our weakness before the Lord and depending more and more upon his power to strengthen us. So yes, following Jesus, church, is going to crush your ego. It's going to humble you. It's really humbling, you know, to be confronted by limitations. It's humbling to find out that we're not as strong as we thought we were. You know, I never ask God to give me humility. You know why? Because I'm afraid he's going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
and he teaches us humility through humiliation. But realizing, church, that we bring nothing to the table, just our own brokenness. Paul would write this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. How many of us in our moments of weakness and pride can get into the mindset of, of saying, well, I know why God saved me. Like, I, I know why. You know, that day, I know why God saved me and brought me into his family. Like, I have a lot to offer the church, right? Like, I, I just, I bring so much value to team Jesus. Kind of like God's lucky to have me on his team. You know, when I was younger, I used to think, God, like, if you would just save, like, this celebrity, like, he could do wonders for the kingdom of God, right? Because I was viewing it like, man, there was something in and of themselves that would add value to the kingdom of God. But we get into this thinking sometimes that God saved us because he saw something special in us. But God in his patience and his kindness has a way of working all of that out. And sometimes when he's working it out in us, it hurts. Because again, we're jars of clay, we're cracked pots, we're broken vessels. But the good news this morning is that God loves broken people. He loves broken people. Jesus pursues the weak. You know, we might despise our weaknesses. We might even despise the weaknesses of one another. But Jesus doesn't despise our weaknesses. Jesus isn't repelled by our weakness. Jesus is actually drawn to us in our moments of weakness. He draws near us. Paul says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. And so the sooner we acknowledge our weakness, the sooner we can become a vessel that God can use. We often, again, see weakness and insufficiency as a hindrance to be used by the Lord. I was just talking to a gentleman uh, this morning and just saying, oh, man, Ryan, you know I struggle and I don't even feel worthy to serve the Lord. Like, none of us are worthy. He makes us worthy, right? It's in our weaknesses that we come before the Lord. And the moment that we see us in our weakness and acknowledge it, that is a platform for God's power to be on display. So again, following Jesus is going to hurt your ego because guess what? You bring nothing of value to his team. The second reason why following Jesus is hard is because it will require sacrifice. As, as disciples of Jesus, we have to learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> because following the Lord is uncomfortable because we're doing ministry with Jesus. And giving your life to serve people is hard. It's not easy. People will hurt you. People will, that, that you serve uh, might betray you. Maybe people you're serving with might betray you. You might find yourself investing time, months, years into someone's life, right, to, to just enhance their life, and they might end up resenting you for it. That doesn't feel good. You, you may even have to turn down certain job opportunities because it doesn't align with being a follower of Jesus, if you're single here this morning, you might have to sacrifice certain relationship options because, again, they're not, they won't align with a, being a follower of Jesus. Oftentimes, we will do unseen work when we follow Jesus where we will be unnoticed, we'll go overlooked just for the sake of his kingdom. And I just want to pause real quick this morning and give a quick word to all of those in our church who volunteer faithfully behind the scenes. 
Like we love you and we're grateful for you. And God sees you. But listen, Jesus calls us to a life of amazing adventure and deep joy, but he also calls us to make sacrifices along the way. And we have to be honest about that. Because everything that we hear from this world in our culture trains us to resist sacrifice, doesn't it? Like resist sacrifice, right? We're told to maximize our comfort, right? Play it safe, acquire things, buy a house, maybe even a boat one day, you know, retire early, Right? Spend the rest of your life traveling around the country collecting Starbucks city mugs, you know, everywhere you go. You're like, I was in Nashville. I was in Orlando, right? Like, that's what our world tells us to do in our lives. That's the best that this life has to offer. And often, if that's what our mission is in life, the mission of Jesus is overshadowed by our desires for comfort and safety. Listen, none of those things that I just said are wrong. I want you to know that. They're not wrong in and of themselves, but if our pursuit of a comfortable and easy life is what drives us, we will always resist sacrifice for the kingdom of God, and we will miss out on powerful ways that God desires to use us. Do you understand that God wants to use you, that he has a mission for your life, that he has plans for you? He desires not just work in you, but through you. Paul here, he had counted that cost. And in verses 8 and 9, he describes some of this cost. He's like, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Affliction means that Paul had to suffer to follow Jesus. That word perplexed could be translated as plagued with doubt or anxiety. Paul experienced doubt. He experienced anxiety, stress in his pursuit of following Jesus. To be persecuted means to, again, be attacked or discriminated against because of your faith in Jesus. So Paul says, I have experienced all of these things as I've sought to just follow the Lord. He says he's he's felt struck down. Struck down, that word could be translated as as depressed. Just to throw oneself down, Paul experienced depression. He knew what it was like to feel depressed. So again, Paul had counted these costs as a sacrifice that he was willing to make for the mission of Jesus and for the glory of God. Real quick, it's not in my notes, I'm going to turn there real fast. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, or 3. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Philippians chapter 3 just came to me, and I don't want to pass pass it up. Okay, verse... We're going to start in verse 8 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Verse 7, actually. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. We talk about the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul says, man, that I may know him. He was willing to lay down his life for the sake of God's people. And he would have never been able to to count that cost if he hadn't understood the third reason of why following Jesus is so hard. Because following Jesus is hard because it will require a daily death to self. Following Jesus isn't just sacrificing comfort, but sacrificing of the self. Dying to self means no longer living for ourselves, but for the good of others and for the glory of God. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. Paul would write in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So following Jesus is hard because it requires a daily death to self. Listen how Paul describes it here in verses 10 through 12. He says, we are always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death works in us, but life in you. So Paul uses this phrase that we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. That means that as followers of Christ, we are always carrying in our bodies the self-giving life and death of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life was marked by sacrifice. Jesus lived with a laser-like focus toward the cross where he would give up his life. Nothing could deter him from that. He came to die for sinners to offer himself as the lamb to the slaughter. John the Baptist says that, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the greatest act of love this world has ever seen was accomplished by Jesus laying down his life for us. And Paul says, we carry that in our bodies. We carry that message. We carry that reality. And as we seek to follow Jesus in this world, all of our service, all of our giving, all of our loving never looks more like Jesus than when we're willing to lay down our lives for the good of others. So do you want to look like Jesus? Do you want to represent Jesus? Do you want to reflect Jesus? Paul says that we identify in his death. We die ourselves Jesus said, as in Matthew 16, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Picking up the cross is to assume a life of dying to self. Listen, so much of the Christian life hinges on death to self. It's not something that you know, most of us consider when we come to Jesus. We, don't, we think about life. We think about you know, everlasting life. 
But the reality is, we come and we come and we die. We die to ourselves because Jesus is seen in us when we put to death our flesh. Colossians 3 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So the question this morning that we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to be hidden so that Christ can be seen? Are you willing to die to yourself so that Christ may live in you and through you? Or will you hide Christ so that you can be seen? Are you hiding Christ? Are you suppressing the gospel in your life so that people just see you? Or do they see Christ in you? Will we count the cost of what Jesus is wanting to kill in us so that he can be seen more clearer? Our ego, our comfort, our greed. Will you allow him to put to death your desperate just need for the approval of others? Your dreams or your aspirations that might not align with God's plan for your life. Are we willing, church, to die to ourselves for the sake of following after Christ? That's the question. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. He bids him come and die. In Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12, he would say this, in light of everything that God has done for us in Christ, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's your reasonable worship. Paul's saying that the only reasonable response is to present ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice, death to ourselves, dying to our wants, dying to our desires and our dreams. In light of just Jesus giving himself fully to us in his death, we respond by giving ourselves to him. Paul would write again in Philippians chapter 2, he says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says have this same mind in you that Christ had. Have this same mind in you every day, everywhere you go. Paul says we are carrying, again, here in 2 Corinthians, we're carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus. Because the reality is, it is hard to love those who are difficult to love. (laughs) It requires what? A death to self. It requires a death to self. Are we willing to die to ourselves, church, to love the unlovable? Are we willing? Are we willing to die to ourselves to put to death our desires for comfort? Are we willing to put to death our desires to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and rather forgive? That requires a death to self. We have to choose to die to all of that, and in doing so, the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ will be put on display in our lives. John 12, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Listen, we, when we allow God to plant us, which will mean the death of us, our plans, our comfort, our aspirations, Jesus says the fruit of that is life. The fruit of that is life. Jesus says anyone who desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, will save it. So this is what Paul means here when he says in verse 12, so death works in us, but life in you. This is a sacrifice for the for sacrificing for the good of others, for the sake of love. This isn't easy, this is hard, but this is all about counting the cost of following Jesus. Following Jesus is hard. Can we admit that? It's hard. It's hard at times. And so we've talked about what following Jesus will cost us. But now I want to shift, and you're like, thank you, Jesus, to telling you why it's worth it. I want to tell you why it's worth it. Because, number one, if you're taking notes, this is why it's worth following Jesus. Because every sacrifice that you make for Christ in this life will be redeemed in glory. It'll be redeemed in glory. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will, all, will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. The Apostle Paul was able to endure because of a hope of a future glory. Knowing that one day we will all will be resurrected with Jesus. That these frail and broken clay pots will one day be glorified. And we're going to be given a new body. Sin will be no more. Everything that was broken will be made whole. Everything that was lost will be restored. And we need to understand that. And we need to look that in order to endure the challenges of life, the ups and downs of life of following Jesus, we need to know that every sacrifice we make for following Christ will be redeemed in glory. And Paul had this confidence. Listen, sometimes we have, we have to die to certain desires. Sometimes we have to die to certain dreams so that they can be glorious, re, gloriously reborn. What is God's dream for your life? What is God's plan for your life? Whatever sacrifices, again, that you make in this life to follow Jesus, you can be sure that God has something better for you. Better for you. You you might not understand it right now. You might not see it right now. You might not even realize what God has done until much later in your life or, or even maybe when we're in glory. But God sees, church, every single thing that you have surrendered to follow him. He sees it. He knows that the tolls that it has taken on your life, he knows what you need. And I can confidently say that one day, and I don't know when this day is, one day we will look back on all those things in our lives that, we, that felt like sacrifices to us at the time. And we will realize that God was actually saving us for something worse. He was saving us from something worse and where we ended up in a, such a way better place in a way better situation. You know, I love the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's a great story. We learned it probably when we were five or six years old. And um, Jesus, you know, prays, takes this boy's lunch, 
prays over it, God blesses it, God multiplies the fish and the bread, right? And he feeds over 5,000 people. But the part of the story that has always stood out to me is that when lunch was over, and probably, it's probably stood out to you, Jesus tells his disciples to go and gather the leftover food. That kind of interest, like, there's leftovers? Like, this is crazy, right? And that makes me think, you know, sometimes in our lives, we worry. I'm a worrier, right? I internal process, like, everything. What if God, you know, doesn't give me this thing in my life that I want right now? What if God doesn't give me this job? What if, you know, he doesn't give me a family of my own? What if he doesn't give me that life that I want? And we worry that he's wasting our time. We worry that he's wasting, like, come on, Lord, and we don't want our lives to feel wasted. But listen, let me say this. If Jesus wasn't even willing to waste leftover food, how much more confident can we be that he won't waste your life? He won't waste your life. Everything, everything in your life will be redeemed. This is why suffering with Jesus is so much better than suffering in this world. Because Jesus can take our pain and Jesus can take the hardships that we go through and redeem them for his glory. And it's so worth it. The glory of God. Number two, why is it worth, worth it to follow Jesus? Because it's there that God's power shines through our weakness. It's not until we embrace the reality that our lives are simply just a vessel for Christ to shine through. And it's when we do that, we can embrace our weakness and we can see our weakness as a gift. Listen, maybe you've heard it this way. Following Jesus is a presentation, not a performance. Let me say that again. Following Jesus is a presentation, not a performance. It's a presentation of Christ's power working through us, through our weaknesses. You see, we are not the treasure here, okay? We are just the vessel. Jesus is the treasure. And we only discover a meaningful and worthy life when we allow ourselves to be brought low so that Christ can be lifted high. It's what John the Baptist says. He must increase, I must decrease. We, we think in our, just our humanity that we have to be impressive to be useful, Man, I've gone through so many years of my life thinking, man, if they just saw that I had it all together, then they would want to put me in the game or whatever. We think that we have to be strong to be useful. But in reality, God's power is revealed in weakness. And if we're willing to embrace our weakness, to acknowledge our weakness, then God will show you what he can do with a jar of clay. Because it's not about you. It's the treasure inside that has the value. God demonstrates his strength by meeting us in our weakness. That's why Paul can say again in verse 8, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Listen, though or through God's strength, we can endure. We can endure. Through his strength, not your own strength. And, and by experiencing his strength, it is worth it in life. The things that we go through, the journey is worth it. The cost, the sacrifice is worth it. To see God's power working through our weakness in powerful ways, transformative ways. Man, if you want to just submit and surrender 
to God's plan for your life and allow him. You're like, I'm not qualified. I'm not, forget about you. You're just a jar of clay. You're just an earthen vessel. Look to him. Look into the beauty of, of the treasure that is in you. The power, that's where the power is at. And lastly, why is it worth it to follow Jesus? Because discipleship fuels worship. I'll explain what that means. Look at verse 15. Paul says to wrap it all up. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's what Paul is saying. Discipleship fuels worship. He says it was all for your sake. As grace is, is spreading to more and more people, as we're, we're making more and more disciples in, just in our effort to follow Jesus, love Jesus, he says the worship of God is being multiplied. Isn't that incredible? The worship of God is, is being increased. I hope that we can think all, we can, all can think about discipleship in that way. That as grace spreads to more and more people, God is more and more glorified. That worship increases to the glory of God. Living sacrificially, dying to self for the sake of others is an act of worship before the Lord. And to worship is to give our, ourselves holy to the Lord. Holy. You know, so someone once said, I heard, he's like, I don't want to come to church because I know that God's after my money. <laughs> Can I say this? It's actually much worse than that. Because <laughs> God is after all of you. And God is after all of me. He's not just after a part of your life. He's after your whole life. And that's what God requires. That's what worship is. And we were all made to worship. God made, made us and created us as worshipers. We all worship, Christian or non-Christian, religious or irreligious, secular, whatever. God created us that way. We're made to worship. And when we offer our lives up to God as an act of worship, it's then that we find true purpose. It's then that our deepest joy is found in our lives. By looking to Christ, beholding his glory, meditating on his word, it's by seeing him for who he is that we find true meaning for ourselves. And we open ourselves up to receive his love. Amen? As we close this morning, the worship team comes. I want to give us a challenge. When we think about what's ahead of you, when you think about your future, ultimately seeing Jesus, right? That's our future. Amen? Let me challenge you today to live the life that you're going to one day wish that you had lived. Zealous for the Lord. No regrets for the kingdom of God. Live your life in response every day, knowing that your life is not your own, that he has bought you with a price. And that the more we die to ourselves, the more we die to our dreams and our aspirations and our, 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 the more then we can start living to the fullness that God has for us in Christ. Responding to his grace, responding to his greatness, Again, willing to lay down your comfort. 
Willing to lay down your dreams, your hopes, your plans. Willing to lay down everything that you are to take up your cross and to follow him. Why? Because it's absolutely worth it. Nothing compares, Paul says, to knowing Christ. Everything that we give up in life will be redeemed in glory. That's incredible. We live our lives for the glory of God. We live our lives for the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is worth the hard things we go through because Jesus has already paid the ultimate cost for us. And that's what we're going to celebrate this morning with communion. Jesus made it possible. Because without him, we can't live for him. Jesus made it possible. He made a way. So as we sing just a chorus together, we'll hold on to the elements, we'll eat and drink together. But as we just sit and we think about why we live our lives to the glory of God, why do we live surrendered lives? It's because we live them in response to what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus willingly gave up his life for you. And the call is just to reflect that and give up our lives for others, for his glory. So let's count the costs together as a church. Let's embrace our weakness. Let's bring them to the Lord this morning. Let's see what he can do with a jar of clay. Thanks for listening. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit us for one of our services. Your service times, location, or even just to learn more about the ministry of Calvary Southeast, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Join us next week as we continue in our study together. Thank you.